0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Let me hear you say yeah, yeah.
1: You're listening to Tony Telecast from The Ensemblist, the only podcast that shows you Broadway from the inside out. I'm Aaron Albano. And I'm Mo Brady.
0: Welcome, listeners, to our new mini series bringing you all the drama behind the drama of a theater season in Broadway history. In each podcast episode, we will watch a telecast of the previous Tony Awards and discuss the
1: performances, the telecast, and the season as a whole. So let's continue our conversation about the 2013 Tony Awards.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we are talking about the performances. Are you ready? Okay. Here we go. There were a lot of them. There were a lot, especially coming out in 1991. I was like, there are so many performances in this. Okay, so let's want to just go from the top. I think this is where we where we show our cards to the audience. Okay. You are more of a Matilda fan. I love Matilda. And I am more of a Kinky Boots fan. So let's (laughs) put that out there and we will continue to know those things as we head down. Okay,
1: so there's our biases out on the floor. Okay, so the first first performance. performance we have is Matilda's, where they performed a medley of Naughty, Revolting Children, When I Grow Up, and then finishing with a sort of a reprise of Naughty. Mo, what did you think of the performance?
0: <laughs> On the whole, this is a good Tony performance. Mm-hmm. It is busy like the show. <laughs> I always think it's very helpful to think about Matilda uh-huh. as a pantomime in the style of British pantomime, right? It is supposed okay. to be that like flashy, not so deep of characters show that you go to around Christmas time with your British family in England, right? <laughs> That is literally the origin of Matilda. So I always think that it's helpful to be like, this is flashy. There's not very much that's deep there. And it's like bells and whistles, bells and whistles, bells and whistles. I'm going to kill you, but okay, keep going. <laughs> and so this did that. Lots of bells and whistles. We're like dancing on the desk and we got the scooters. And like people are doing all the thing. Like Thane Jasperson is punching in the air. You know, coats are being thrown. We are doing the thing. I think it's a little hard to follow, like the show itself. Interesting. Okay. Okay. See, I loved every second of it. I think,
1: I mean, again, because I love the I love it so much. I think the show's so great. But I thought, and maybe it was because it was first that I felt it sort of set the tone of the way a show uses the space of Radio City Music Hall. Sure. Because they had, like, 50 desks with 50 children. And I was like, oh, this show has taken over this space and I am here for it. And, again... When you have like a bunch of what, third graders super excited to be at the Tonys and just raw infectious energy singing revolting children, like you can't help but get sort of drawn into that energy. And then we have Miss Honey that brings it down to the sentiment of it all. If they had dropped those swings, I would have cried. I think it was a good variety package of what the show has to offer. It felt so young and so free and I was here for all of it. And afterward, I had a hard time feeling like any other show really filled that space the way Matilda did.
0: I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you that no other show filled the space. Yeah. There are so many desks. There are so many kids and they had all the swings on for revolting children. You're just like, Mm -hmm. there are so many kids. There's like twice as many kids as Well, there.
1: the kids were double cast, so all of them were on stage. And then the ones they couldn't fit, like oh. the kids' swings in the show, were the kids who were standing behind Miss Honey oh. at the beginning of When I Grow Up. Because I love a show that incorporates their swings, like Forever and Ever on that.
0: It, it, it is a good performance. It is, it is not mm-hmm. the worst. Uh, we'll, we'll move forward. We'll move forward. <laughs> What did you think of Bring It On? This is a show that I like. I saw this show three times. I enjoy this song. I think it is a good song. What did you think of this song? Okay. It's All Happening by the company of Bring It On.
1: I mean, talk about a show that did not feel like they filled the space. hmm hmm mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. that this was not a good choice for a Tony performance. I like the song. I think It's All Happening is a great song, but I'm like, it's Bring It On. We know the property. Where's the giant cheerleading routine? Instead, we got, and again, I love this creative team. I love the genius they're able to bring to a show. I felt like the storytelling of this song was eaten up by the space.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And mm -hmm.
1: none of the cameras knew how to film it. Like no one knew what to look at. And I feel like, and I love him dearly, Andy's choreography is too subtle for this space. Hmm. At least in this number. I think it's a much stronger piece when it's on stage at the St. James.
0: Here's the thing. Mm -hmm. This is after the show is closed and months after the show is closed. And Mm -hmm. that is not the full company. It's not. No. I remember that this was like a, hey, anybody who's in town, we're not going to house you. But if you want to come back, we'll stage a number for the Tony. Oh, I didn't know
1: that. Okay. This
0: happened with Spring Awakening too. Like yeah. If you want to house yourself, you can come back to New York. But if you don't live in New York, then we're not going to house you. Fascinating. Like, so because Bring It On on Broadway had so many people who were not typically Broadway performers came from the cheerleading world. Uh-huh. Those people went back to their non-New York City homes after the show closed and then didn't all come back to do this performance. So it didn't, have, it didn't have the kind of excitement of it. What I think is kind of incredible watching the number Uh is you're like oh my god it's adrian warren taylor Louderman, ariana DeBose, and then you've got like a company that also includes gregory haney and neil haskell and all the like it's it's a fantastic company and you're watching them perform and you're like you're all incredible and you're gonna be doing incredible things in the next decade for real yeah that's this is sort of messy
1: this is yeah i'm like this is your entrance onto the scene in this number that is frankly forgettable Yeah.
0: Cinderella, in my own little corner slash impossible slash 10 minutes ago. (laughs) Cinderella. Another fine performance. Another fine performance. These Drag Race reveals. Those dress reveals are so good. Laura's was
1: good. Victoria's was suspect a little bit. (laughs) But Laura's, especially with that pull string, it reminded me of Elsa's change in... Frozen at the Hyperion?
0: Correct. That is a correct feeling. You are correctly feeling that feeling. <laughs> I can tell you that as a former performer, mm-hmm. I would have spent l- literally zero time thinking about acting or connecting with other performers on stage at- prior to that, and I would have spent 100% of 100%. my brain cells thinking about pulling that fucking string.
1: Correct.
0: <laughs> like, so mean. So mean. Oh, <laughs> uh, so rude. Ugh. Motown, the musical, get ready, dancing in the streets, ABC, stop the world.
1: Like talk about a number where you don't need any set dressing to carry the energy of the piece.
0: No, it's literally dancing in the streets at
1: ABC. You're like, it's literally an entire company. Just like energy. Yeah. That medley. They're just, they're dancing. And it's, I do wish like we had less sort of camera cuts. And we just got to see the whole thing.
0: You ensemble lover, you would want to watch the whole thing.
1: Yeah, because it was great. But then we get to the Jackson 5, who are also, can we raise a glass to the late Eric LaJuan Summers, who was in the Jackson 5. He's one of my dearest friends and we miss him incredibly. Um, But one of my favorite sort of fun facts of this performance now in 2020 is that we just saw the Jackson 5 killing it. On stage. Now we also have Ephraim Sykes, who will be playing Michael Jackson in the new Michael Jackson musical as one of the Jackson Five behind the character he's going to be playing seven years later. Gosh, it's so good. Uh huh. I love Broadway. Eat that, Broadway history. It's great. (laughs)
0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Annie. Annie. Is there anything anything to say about Annie other than like, looks like a production of Annie. (laughs) Sure does. (laughs) Like, I felt like they did a really good job of saying like, you know, Annie. This is Annie. This is Annie.
1: (laughs) Well, firstly, also, again, going back to our like intros where Spider-Man introduces Annie annie love it i was like what is the connection here and i had to rewind because i missed it it's that they were both comics yeah it's both you are are you're throwing so much shade at these i mean i was like wait it's got to be before i rewound i was like it's got to be because they're both new york shows right it's got to be because they both take place in new york and then i rewound and i was like
0: no it's that they're both comic books they're trying these
1: people are trying (laughs) so
0: hard Why do you why do you hate these intros?
1: I don't hate these intros. I just think they're very
0: funny. You monster. A Christmas story. <laughs> Red Rider. Oh my Red gosh. Red Rider BB gun and shoot your eye out. This is this is a Tony performance. This is like where you say Alright folks, this is the most entertaining section. Is it about the leads in the show? Not really. Not but even it's a, a reall- little bit. But it's a great number and it's going to make you pull out that credit card so we're going to show it to you. Uh-huh. You are
1: going to find a production of Christmas Story this Christmas and go watch and hope that it's as good as
0: this number. <laughs> because she is great. Caroline O'Connor is great in the number.
1: P.S. those of you wondering who that is, not only was she in the Christmas Story but she was Roxanne in the *Mulan* Rouge movie? Yes, she was. Uh Uh-huh. And she was just as electric in this as she was in that movie.
0: Almost as electric as the young tapping kid. Luke Spring. I remember watching the show and being like, shut up. Shut up. You've never seen someone cleanly tap that well. And he's like was like 10. They built a show around him. They built this whole number around him and you're like, yeah, that kid is rude. That kid is so rude.
1: I'm mad. I watched that and I was like, you must be joking. How dare he?
0: You know that like Laura Osnes and Victoria Clark are just like nervous beyond nervous about pulling the strings in their Cinderella costumes. And this kid is like not nervous not at even. all about making the cleanest taps in his life in Radio City Music Hall. Oh, to
1: be 10, man. To be 10 and have feet like that. Yeah. Okay. Then we, go, then we have Pippin. Corner of the sky, magic to do. Go. How'd you like this?
0: I don't like when actors break the fourth wall and show that they know that they're at the oh, Tony's. Okay. I do not like Matthew James Thomas coming down the aisle and talking to Annalie Ashford. And, ta- you know, like, I just, it just, it feels like, like, n- no, like, show me what's in the... Yeah, theme- it's schmaltzy. It's super yeah. schmaltzy. Yeah, it's like- didn't love it. I did love the moment where the curtain drops in magic to do, and you see the whole circus behind you and there's, like, people spinning on things. I'm like, that is a moment that the Tony Awards are made for. Look, we just dropped a huge fucking curtain and there are acrobats. Yeah. I did think that the one-noteness of the song, Magic To Do, reflects in the performance in these Tony Awards. Like, sort of by the end, you're like, yeah, no, I get it. There's magic to do. (laughs) Just for you. (laughs) Like, we get it. (laughs) But in general, I mean, like, what are you going to argue? I can't do that with my body, so... Great. That's cool. Yeah. We've got magic to do Just for you We've got plays play We've got parts to perform All right. Kinky Boots. Are you ready to throw some shade at Kinky Boots?
1: I will not be throwing shade. I do love this show. Just maybe not as
0: much as you do. I will, <laughs> okay, I will admit the Kinky Boots performance did not fill the stage as much as the Matilda performance. But what you did is... They did one song versus four. And I think this goes back to the sort of the pantomime thing, the very first thing I said in this episode. Okay. It's like they took us on a journey in okay. their three minutes versus Matilda was like, eh, there's Matilda and we're yelling kids and it's emotional and there's scooters, right? Like this like- Okay. T- was a section of the show that had a story to tell, which I liked.
1: I mean, I guess maybe this can become a bigger conversation, but- in terms of a commercial for these shows, does one through line song serve as a commercial for the show better than a medley of the show?
0: It probably depends on the song.
1: And it maybe also depends on the show.
0: But let's find out okay. as we continue to have these conversations if there's a hard and fast rule. Okay. Ugh, I mean, I, I will agree with that everybody say yeah, is a
1: well encapsulated number that has a beginning, middle and end. I think the build and the number is really, really great. I think we get a clear understanding of what the show is about and who these people are. And there are drag queens. I mean, I guess the only thing that I didn't love, two things that I didn't love, because I remember watching it at the Al Hirschfeld. And when those treadmills start going, I'm living my life. When you're in the Al Hirschfeld, that is a smaller theater. Mm -hmm. Again, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. we said, the Al Hirschfeld is not the Radio City Music Hall. Yeah. Would this number maybe played better for me at the beacon? Probably.
0: Hmm. But because
1: we have what, what is it like six treadmills? I think they only have four. Okay. So I'm, I think because we're looking at it from so far away, it doesn't, it didn't feel as exciting as I
0: knew it could. Okay, fine. Fine. I remember thinking that when I watched it. Sp- full disclosure, I was at the Kingy Boots Tony Awards party this year. Yeah. And I remember watching the performance and being like, oh, it didn't quite do the thing, mm-hmm. you know, that I wanted it to.
1: Yeah. And I think, and it, and this is just me being a snobby snobby snob snob. When we have a production whose choreographer just won the Tony for Best Choreography this does not really show the choreography that's in the show outside of walking
0: and swaying. I would argue that the choreography in Kingy Boots is not that stunning anyway. <laughs> and I also think that Jerry's win for choreography was sort of like attached to the direction. Okay, I think he won one for great work in both. Yeah. This is my theory and no one else has to agree with this, but like, the choreography in Kinky Boots is not that stunning. It's just yeah. very, very serviceable. Yes.
1: And I think it's also very intentional in terms of what the oh, show. Oh,
0: has, sure. Uh, it, it does. Yeah. Like, no one makes a show move like Jerry Mitchell moves. Like, Correct. Like, from Hairspray, Legally Blonde, Kinky Boots, the first 45 minutes fly by and you have no idea that it happened because he's just, like, moving things and making things happen. And you're like, oh, I'm so entertained right now. Mm-hmm, that absolutely. is what, that I think that's what the win is yeah. for. Yeah.
1: I mean, and also, like, he's a Broadway
0: legend. Yeah, like, I mean, he's also very good at his job. So, yes. Yeah. So, I, I like, I, w- I do wish... You wish it was that... bigger. You wish it would have filled the space. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, maybe the revival will. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let's give our Yelp review. Okay. Let's give our bests, all right? Okay, okay. Which performance made the show look better than it was?
1: I would say Motown. I would say Motown because that show, that that performance made me very excited to see the show. I mean, how do you not with Motown music? And especially with those artists killing this music and performing so brilliantly. Like that performance alone made me want to go see it. Having seen it, the musical numbers are arguably the best things about the show. Yeah. So what about you?
0: I think I would say A Christmas Story for the the same reason. They chose the best number from the show. It was a really good (laughs) example of the best number in the show. And having seen the show, I'm like, well, it's not all that. Correct. Uh, Yes. But I enjoyed it a lot. What performance made you want to buy a ticket? I I mean, to me, it was Kiki Boots. It was Kiki Boots. But yep, there you go. And, and you, to me it was Matilda. Yep, so, see? you know, here we are. <laughs> I cannot wait until Broadway comes back and it is celebrates opening the theaters with you and I having a jello fight in Times Square <laughs> over Kinky Boots and Matilda. All right, <sighs> what speech moved you the most, Aaron?
1: You know what? Okay, it was not one singular speech, but sort of the three speeches combined in the th- three out of the four leading actor categories because three out of the four recipients of the leading actor categories were Black performers. It was Billy Porter, Patina Miller, and Cicely Tyson. And those speeches in their own ways were so beautiful. Those three performers doing the work that they'd done this season, coupled with the gratitude and the celebration that all three of their speeches were able to convey made a really beautiful moment of the night
0: for me. What about you? I'm gonna give a little shout out to Judith Light because I oh. love Judith Light so much. And somehow to like walk away with the same Tony Award two years in a row and still sound gracious. For real. I'm like, you're a queen. What does she say? She said, she said like the thing we all wish we could say, but never quite have the right words to say it. Which was I want to thank the other women in this category. You made this a celebration, not a competition. Oh, Honestly, that's I believe so that. I believe it when you say it. You fight because you're our mom. <laughs> All right, uh, biggest surprise win of the night: Gabe Ebert for yeah, Mr. Wormwood. Like I am why. A- it's just a small role, like I feel like fair, okay. And it doesn't really go on much of a journey. Like I don't know, it's entertaining. No, but it does not. That's very it, true. It's not a big role, and there's not much of like an arc. So I was like, well, yeah, that's fun, but I could buy
1: that. Yeah. What, what about you? Tracy Letts for the best leading actor in a play category. He was the fourth of the four, and I didn't. I didn't watch the show. I did. I don't know his work at all. I didn't watch. I'm bad. I don't watch as many plays as I should. But. Tracy Letts, I didn't see Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, but it was essentially his Broadway debut in that show. Aside from writing August Osage County, which he won as a playwright, which all of those things are perfectly fine to have happen. Mm -hmm. However, in a category that is including Tom Hanks, Nathan Lane, and David Hyde Pierce...
0: Yeah, you gotta be really good. He is
1: not the name I would have expected to be out of that envelope. Yeah. And literally, I wrote down solid category, surprising win. (laughs) There you go. Again, I'm sure his work is fantastic or else he wouldn't have won, especially over these titans. But just out of those names, I was like, wow. That is shocking to me.
0: All right, last question. Would you recommend watching the 2013 Tony Awards?
1: Yes. Watch the whole thing because here are my three reasons a bigger (laughs) b tv show medley (laughs) three finale when audrey mcdonald drops the mic
0: so good so good and
1: they're on both they like encompass the entire thing so watch all of it
0: watch all of it except for the stephen van zandt rascals montage yes that was weird everything else was great So at the end of each episode, Aaron and I are randomly selecting a Tony Awards telecast to watch. We will have the following week to research the season as a whole and bring you our most surprising findings. Surprising.
1: Surprising. So let's select our third Tony telecast. I put a handful of infamous Tony seasons on pieces of paper in this basket. You can hear the basket. And I will now select one of those to explore for next week's episode.
0: This is honestly the most exciting part for me. (laughs) I, I'm excited. I don't know what it's gonna be. All right, t- <laughs> same. Drum
1: roll, please. Okay. The year we are doing next is 1998. 1998. I don't think I know anything about 1998. Is that Lion King year? I think this is Lion King ragtime.
0: No, is it that year? Don't look it up. Don't cheat. I'm not cheating. I'm just. Okay. I just <laughs> like we can find out. Jeez.
1: Yeah, Ragtime Lion King. Ragtime Lion King. Okay, here we go. To join us for our next Tony's Recap, be sure to do your homework with us on the 1998 Tony Awards.
0: The Ensemble was produced today by me, Mo Brady.
1: And by me, Aaron Albano. Special thanks to Wasif Sami for providing the background research for this Broadway season. There are two great ways you can be helping The Ensemblist right now. One is by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and the second is by becoming a Patreon member at patreon.com slash The
0: Please follow The Ensemblist wherever you listen to podcasts, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or at bpn.fm, the home of Broadway Podcast Network. You can also follow us on Instagram. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time.